Hello and welcome to Car Talk from National Public Radio with us Click and Clack, the Tapper Brothers. And we're broadcasting this week from the extremely conspicuous consumption department here at Car Talk Plaza. I mean, we've seen a lot. Hi guys, how you doing today? Good, who's, who's this? This is Susan from Near Bab, Montana. Near Bab. Near Bab. How do you spell that? B-A-B-B. Bab. Bab. But what's, what's near? Oh, close oh, to. oh, 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 but the I'm, place I, you're we're, from we're is Bab. We're not actually in town. Oh, you're near Bab. <laughs> right, you're in the <laughs> suburb of Bab. That's right. You're in the Bab Burbs. <laughs> I got it. Yeah, so Bab, so Bab is the big city. That's got like the skyscrapers and all that stuff, right? Well, it's got the general store and the gas station. Good enough. <laughs> so what's up, Susan? Well, I have a temperature issue in my 2003 Dodge pickup. It started heating up a little bit. Um, the thermostat would rise slightly, um, you know, given uh, the, our very short distance that we usually run, about 10 or 15 miles around our immediate area. Mm. Um, and I didn't really pay too much attention to it <laughs> until it got really bad. And uh, my husband tried to go to town a couple weeks ago, and he went about 15 miles, and it it rose to about halfway up the temperature gauge, mm-hmm. and within five miles after that, he had to pull over and stop. Because the needle was all the, the way up the top. The, the needle was all the way up at the top, and there was smoke coming out the hood. Ah. Usually that's a good signal. That's, a, that's, that's when you want to stop. <laughs> yeah. So we called the dealership, which is 75 miles away, and he said, well, it sounds like you may have a bad thermostat. It's a really easy fix. Let me send you the part. So uh-huh. we sent the part out, and indeed, it was a very easy fix, no problems whatsoever, yep. but it didn't fix the problem. Oh. And and you did look to make sure that there was enough fluid in the radiator. Oh, yeah. We rinsed out the radiator and refilled it. Well, but, oh, you but, did. But, but when, when it first started to do this, did anyone, either one of you check to see if there was enough coolant in it then? Yes. And there was? And there was. And you checked it by taking the radiator cap off and looking in the actual radiator? No, I looked at the little gauge on the side. All right, okay, okay, oh, okay, that's good enough. So, so anyway, you put the thermostat in yourselves, or you had someone else do it? No, we did it ourselves. Well, my husband did it. Yeah. Um, and we it didn't have any problems with it. Everything went fine. It went just the way that the dealership guy told him it would. And indeed, uh-huh. when he took the, the other part out, it was had a hole in it. So I'm guessing it was broken. <laughs> mm. yeah. How many miles are on this thing? Forty-eight thousand. I'm still a little confused about whether or not you have enough fluid in the radiator. Well, you know, it's got the um, the tank that kind of sits up on the top of the engine. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And we filled that up. Like we rinsed everything out. Yeah. You know, we we let the old fluid drain out. Uh-huh. We rinsed it out with distilled water. And then we plugged it back up and filled it until the it's up even with the little line that says cold fill. Right. And then you ran the engine. No, she yeah. didn't say then that. you just drove it. Yeah. Oh, ah. Aha. <laughs> ah, that's why I was suspicious. No, yeah, my, my brother is absolutely right. I think you don't have enough. The thermostat may have been bad. Right. Uh, but now you've made another problem. Uh-oh. You did the thermostat job all right, but you didn't purge the air from the system. Okay. So what you need to do is you need to run it with the radiator cap off. Oh, okay. And you and need you'll, to... what you'll find is that the... Level of water will drop okay. as you run it. You need to put antifreeze in it, by the way, not just water. Oh no, we bought like coolant. Coolant, yeah, That's yeah, it. yeah, That's coolant. Good. Okay. And you're gonna, you probably need a couple of gallons of it. Oh, okay. We just got one. You're gonna need another one. 
Oh, okay. And you're going to have to run it until you're confident that it is circulated. And the way you're going to know that the coolant is circulated is you have to make sure that the top radiator hose and the bottom radiator hose are both hot. And you got to okay. be careful because there's also a fan there that will chop your fingers off. But, um, that doesn't sound good. Someone has to go stick his hand down there just so you can make sure everything's hot. That sounds like John's job. That's going to that be John's job. That sounds like your husband's job, <laughs> right. absolutely. Because you won't be able to play the auto harp if you lose any fingers. <laughs> <laughs> and so. then when you find out that it's not full, you'll fill it up. While the okay. engine's running, you'll add to it, you'll add to it, you'll add to it, until finally you'll actually see it circulating. You'll see the coolant moving, much like a river flows. Okay. And then when it's when it's when you're confident that the coolant is in fact circulated, you can put the radiator cap on while the engine's running, and then you can add more coolant to that recovery bottle, that plastic bottle, and sure. fill it up to the point where it says this is where it should be when it's cold. Okay. And then you might be done, and then you may notice over a period of days that that level will sink down, and you may have to add even more to it. Oh, okay. As more air gets purged. But, but but just putting the thermostat in is not enough. You have to run it and purge the air from the system. Uh -huh. And I and I think Tommy's right. I, he suspected, and so do I, that you don't have enough coolant in it. Okay. But by now, you've probably cracked the block. <laughs> oh, don't say that. <laughs> no, you haven't. We really haven't driven it. I have to be honest. We have not driven it much. And because Excellent. town is so far away, we don't go very far. Yeah. So let me get this right. Now, when, when you call the dealer, which was 75 miles away. They said, we'll, we'll, so what do they do? They have like a buzzard circle your farm and drop the thermostat? I mean, I don't yeah, know. How did they send it to you? Actually, the UPS guy picked it up for us. Oh, really? So he delivered it right to your house? Well, I mean, he comes to the restaurant. He's actually got his name on our menu, so he, he comes to the restaurant pretty regularly. And, oh. Uh, oh, so you have a restaurant? Yeah. Oh, yeah? And, it, and it's, it's, it's right there in, in near Bab? It is near Bab. It's four miles from Bab. We're right outside Glacier National Park. Oh, that's a great spot to be. Yeah, it's really For about another here. week until the <laughs> blizzards start pouring in. But, but until then, it'll be pretty great, It'll Susan. be gorgeous. Yeah, we'll live it up. And it won't overheat once the temperature plunges down to minus 20. You'll be all right. Well, see, that's kind of what I figured. Just wait it out. Well, you won't have any heat if you don't have enough coolant. Oh, well, that's no good. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you, definitely need you've that got to make sure that you circulate the coolant. And if you're not sure how to do this, there's got, you've got to have some mechanic in town, right? Um, no, huh? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we can drive to town and just stop, you know, every 30 miles and let it cool off. You could do that. But I think try circulating the stuff first. Okay, I'll and do get, that. And get another gallon or so of antifreeze. I will do that as well. Good luck. Thank you so try much to, for your help. Try not to burn the hash. Okay, thanks, guys. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 888 I find it so interesting that she and her husband and all the other people near Bab like living there. And if you took me away from all the city stuff, I'd be nuts in a week. A week? A day? Yeah. You know why? Because you you've never learned to appreciate <laughs> the beauty of nature. You I appreciate the beauty of the city. Yeah, you like bricks and concrete. Oh, man. Trees that are dying. <laughs> traffic jams. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, what could be better than that? Well, that's why you're good where you are. <laughs> and the rest of us kind of enjoy, you know. Wow. It, you know, it's interesting that, 
that and I've tried. God knows I've tried. You have tried to instill in you an appreciation and a love oh. for the beauty and the elegance of Mother Nature. I, I mean, I, who, took the, to, who took you to Muir Woods? I was just going to say, all those trips to Muir Woods. How many <laughs> what, times one you, trip I took you once. <laughs> I felt like I you was You complained there. like it was five trips. I, I took you one time to Muir Woods. Are you sure? And you started complaining before the car even moved. We weren't we weren't even close to the Golden Gate Bridge, and you were always asking us to turn around. You were you were telling your buddy there was driving Johnny Mellon, make a U-turn on the bridge. Let's go back. Oh, God. Anyway, eight 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 car talk. That's, he almost did make a U-turn on the bridge. To eight 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 two two seven eight two. Hi, this is Jacob. I'm calling from Utah. Hey, Jacob, what's happening, man? I have a '97 Toyota Camry. Uh huh. And I replaced the front brake pads just a little while ago. I did it myself. I had a Haynes manual. and mm-hmm. Don't they make pantyhose? <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. No problem. I replaced the brake pads using the Haynes manual, and ever since I replaced the brake pads, when I try to slow down, and I'm going freeway speeds, I have to be going freeway speeds, when I put uh, any pressure on the brakes, the front of the car vibrates. And sometimes even the steering wheel kind of yanks left and right just a little. It vibrates back and forth. That only happens when I'm going fast, and only if I put a little bit of pressure on the brakes. Ah. Did I run something, or is that normal for new brake pads? Well, I, when you did the pads, you, you did like the book said, you took off the caliper, you uh, right. put the new pads on, you probably lubricated the slide mechanisms. Uh-huh, I did. Okay, and you, you put, did do that. It's pretty pretty straightforward, isn't it? Yeah, I thought so. A highly motivated monkey could do this. Almost. <laughs> That's why we used to have my brother doing all these jobs. <laughs> Until the monkey started to do a better job. We gave the monkey a race. <laughs> but uh, I think what you, you, you may have, uh, you didn't do anything wrong, I don't think. I don't think so either. I, I think you, what you have is you have a warped disc rotor. Yeah. Or maybe two uh. warped disc rotors. And they were probably warped before you did this job. Oh, I'm sure they were. But you didn't notice it. And you didn't right. drive fast enough because you were afraid to drive with worn-out brakes. <laughs> yeah. Did you go to a parts store to buy these? Did you, you did you go to an auto parts store? I did. I went to Napa to buy the, yeah. the brake pads. Go back to Napa and buy two front disc rotors. Okay. And you're going to put those on, too. Okay. And that's going to make the vibration go away. Yeah. How There is a chance, however, that there's, it's not the front. But you, you say you can feel it in the steering wheel? Yeah, the steering wheel actually kind of yanks left and right. Oh, yeah, no. yeah, that's it. Yeah, that, that's probably it. There, there is a small chance that it isn't the brakes, that there's something wrong with the the the, uh, the steering mechanism, that you have a bad tie rod end or something like that. So mm-hmm. I would go ahead and, and maybe take it someplace to be on the safe side. Wouldn't hurt. And ask them to check the, the, the ball joints and the tie rod ends just to make sure that none of that stuff is worn out because if that's worn out, you could have a lot worse stuff going on than a little vibration. You How could... many miles you got on this thing? A hundred and seventy-five thousand. Oh, well, in Utah, it doesn't matter. Huh? Well, no, well, if you go off the road, <laughs> there's not much to hit, right? <laughs> no, but in Utah, you've got to have a hundred and seventy-five thousand in ten in ten years because sure. things are far apart in Utah. It is, yes. Uh-huh. What, what town do you live in? Well, I live in Manti, actually, but I'm going to school at the University of Utah up in Salt Lake. So on huh. the weekends, I drive home to Manti, and that's a two-and-a-half-hour drive. Just yeah. to be in the safe side, I would take it someplace. Make sure that the steering components are okay. That is, the ball joints and the tie rod ends. And if that stuff is all right and you want to do the job yourself, okay. then you can go back to the Napa store, buy yourself two new rotors, and you can spend a weekend doing that job. 
Yeah. <laughs> See you, Jacob. Sounds good. Thanks. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. You, you look like you could use a little break, you know? Really? I mean, what makes you say that? I don't know. I, I guess call it just brotherly intuition. Boy, that's good. Well, that and the fact that you've got your hand on the door, a cigar in your mouth, and roller skates on your feet. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back with a cautionary tale about reusing cars and lots more of your phone calls. So don't go anywhere. We'll be back in a minute. Step on the gas, you'll go somewhere. It's been designed to take you there. Just as important as where you go. This how you get there, don't you know? Always signal changing lanes. Put the top up when you green. It's not a quick, fast, or far. It's the journey, not the car. Porsche, Mercedes, Benz, and Ford, Mazda, Rambler, Rosa, Ford, Nova, Chrysler, Jeep, Capri, Lamborghini, SUV, Corvair, Kia, and Peugeot, Chevy, Stingray, GTO, Volvo, Saturn, Saab, MG, Volkswagen, Bus, and Model T, Toyota, Plymouth, Pontiac, Crown, Civic, Cadillac, Mitsubishi, Mercury, Hugo, Jack, Infinity, Lincoln, BMW, Humvee, and Miata, too, Ferrari, Firebird, Fiat, and don't forget the old Dodge Dart, any one of these can get you far, but remember... And even though world health officials go on high alert for foot-in-mouth disease whenever they hear us say it, this is NPR. Hi, we're back. You're listening to Car Talk with us, Click and Clack, the Tappet Brothers, and we're here to talk about cars, car repair, and auto repurposing. Yeah, this came from somebody named Hoppy Hopkins, who writes, A long, long time ago, a friend of mine had a Lincoln that was a bit long of tooth. One day, the transmission died, and since the cost of repairs far exceeded the value of the car, my friend had it towed behind his barn, where it then sat neglected. Oh, gee, too bad you weren't in the neighborhood. You could have taken it <laughs> off his hands. Sounds like just the kind of car you'd want. It's perfect. <laughs> All right. Then my friend got a brainstorm. The motor ran fine, and everything else worked. Why not use the Lincoln for a deer blind? Hmm. So one early morning, he towed it out in the pasture, put it up on blocks, removed the steering wheel to get it out of the way, and filled the tank. He settled into the leather seat, set his coffee on the console, and turned the key. The Lincoln responded and smoothly idled, while the defroster started to work on the windshield with the frost melted and the windshield wiped clean. He switched from defrost to heat and pleasantly sipped his coffee. Huh? Mm -hmm. Then he heard it, an unmistakable, heart-stopping noise. The buzz of a disgruntled rattlesnake. <laughs> a rattlesnake, not just one. It was a chorus of a dozen or more rattlesnakes. They had snuggled in under the front seat to hibernate for the winter, and the heater had thawed them out. <laughs> My friend opened the sunroof, and bailed out. He hit the ground running and didn't even venture back to investigate until the car had run out of gas and everything had frozen again. <laughs> that could scare the heck out of you. Well, so much for that brilliant idea. I guess you never think about snakes, right? No, well, you should. <laughs> I guess you should if you live in that part of the country. Hey, you may have noticed that there's no puzzler answer this week because the puzzler is still on vacation. Yeah, so, I mean, when's it coming back anyway? I mean, what's up? If the puzzler, like a fine wine, must not be rushed, it will return when it's good and ready. Fine. 
In that case, you're getting more stories about rattlesnake-infested Lincolns. <laughs> Uncle! Okay, okay, okay. The puzzle will be back very soon. In the meantime, you can check out this week's archival puzzler on our website, cartalk.com. If you have a question about your car, you can call us right now. The number is 888-CAR-TALK. That's 888-227-8255. Hello, you're on Car Talk. Hi, my name is Rory, and I'm from Portland, Oregon. Uh, like R-O-R-Y? Yes. Yeah? That's an unusual name for a woman, I guess. Maybe not. It is. No, I've, I've lived with that burden my entire life, but I'm okay with it now. When you're a grown-up, it's okay to have an unusual name. Sure. Yeah. All right. Well, actually, I like it. Well, thanks. <laughs> anyway, what's, what's up? What's going on? Okay. Well, I have a little problem, which is I have a car that I love, and I've had it for eight years. It's a 99 Mazda Protégé, and I recently got married, and so now oh. I have to take care of my car because now it's our car. Um, what, 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 you didn't have to take care of it before? Well, it's not that I didn't have to. It's just that I never did. Ah, so, oh. you know, like, it now has 100,000 miles on it, and, you know, I just got it tuned up for the first time. Okay, got yeah. it. Yeah. All right, I'm there. I'm with you. Yeah. So go yeah. ahead. Okay, so my problem is that when I go to start the car, uh, this has happened a couple of times, um, you go to turn it on, and instead of starting, it makes that noise, like, as if you're turning your car on for the second time. So, you know, if, you're, if your car's already on and you go to turn it on again, oh, it makes that, like, uh, that, yeah, that uh-huh. gnashing of teeth. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, it really hurts the ears. So and it, it is that, gnashing of teeth. <laughs> so it does that before I've ever turned the car on. Uh-huh. Right. And, and how many times will it do that before the car actually starts? To me, it does it once. You know, I, I stopped right away and turned it off, waited a second, turned it back on. Um, I think for my husband it happened twice, and then the car turned right on. Oh, so it doesn't happen every time you try to start the car. No, it's only happened a couple times, but it's happened a couple times in the past, you know, month and a half. Or yeah, yeah, months. yeah. Well, during, there are during various this, approaches. To well, this. during this time, has he driven the car very much? He's driven it some, not a ton. Huh. Why well, do you think he's purposely trying to? Well, no, 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 no. I don't think he's pr- one of the one of the things that caused what you have. Let me let, let's get let's get there first, and then we'll figure out who did it. Okay. And if just or if it just happened. What you have is you have some chewed up teeth on the flywheel. The flywheel is this big gear that probably has, I don't know, 50 or 60 teeth on it. That I imagine this is an automatic transmission car? No, it's a, it's a manual transmission. Okay, the, oh. the, the, there's a gear called the ring gear attached to the flywheel, uh-huh. and that gear gets meshed with another gear on the starter motor. So when you turn the key to start the engine, the starter motor gear pops out, engages this big gear, this ring gear on the flywheel, and... That that turns the engine over. And as long as those teeth mesh nicely, the car starts up and doesn't make any awful noises. If some of those teeth on the flywheel are messed up, you'll get this <laughs> sound. It sounds like you're trying to start an engine that's already running. Yeah. Okay. That's now, exactly what it sounds that can happen just from normal use over 100,000 miles, which you have in the car. But it could also happen if somebody has tried to start the car with the engine running, <laughs> which we know it couldn't be you, right, Rory? Of course it wouldn't be me. Of course it wouldn't be you. But no, it... I've really never done that to my car. I, I doubt he's done it, but I will double-check on that. <laughs> you think he'd well, admit it if he'd done it? 
He's very honest. He would probably admit it if, if directly questioned, he would admit it. I mean, you could ask him if he's ever done that. Yes. <laughs> and, even if he, and if he has. It doesn't matter. Yeah, oh, it's not. It's, so here's my question. Do, what, what do I do? Well, you have 100,000 miles. Have you ever replaced the clutch? No, I've never replaced the clutch. Perfect. I, really, I've, I've never done anything. Well, well, you're you're going to need a good. clutch any day. You're going to need a clutch any day now. Okay. And when you do, luckily, luckily, <laughs> yeah. And when you do need that clutch, you will ask them to also replace the ring gear on the flywheel. You, you okay. may have to buy a whole new flywheel. I, I don't know how Mazda sells it, but it's not a lot of money. And at some point, this is going to get so bad that you won't be able to start the car at all. You'll sit there and it'll go ring, 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 ring with every turn of the key. And when that happens, it's time to do a clutch. It's well, got nothing right. to do with the clutch. But that's the excuse you're going to use for, for, <laughs> to exactly. replace the flywheel. Okay, yeah, that's fair. Although the, replacing the clutch sounds a lot more expensive than just ignoring oh. the flywheel. Oh, yeah. Well, actually, replacing the clutch is not much more expensive because in order to replace the flywheel, you have to take the clutch off. Oh, so, So yeah. the only additional cost in this whole process is the pieces for the clutch. The labor is exactly the same for both jobs. Yeah, and it'll be some hundreds of dollars, but... I wouldn't worry about it now. No, because he'll pay for it. <laughs> yeah, right. That's what I'm working on. There yeah, you go. that's it. Good luck, Roy. I'm sure you're going to have a very long and happy marriage. I, I can tell that you're a reasonable person. And even if he did this <clears throat> to your car, you'll find a place in your heart to forgive him. I <laughs> I don't know. Women are very good at that. I don't know. Well, yeah. we'll see. Um, thank you very much. See you. Thanks for your call. Okay. All right. Do you know what time it is now? Uh, time to ship the Fiat to Capri for the winter? No. It's time to play... The chumps. This is the part of the show where we dig up a caller from a previous show to see if they took our advice. And how much longer the cast has to stay on. <laughs> so who's our lucky player this week? It's Velda from Indiana. Remember Velda? I, I do, because Velda was Mike Hammer's secretary in the Mickey Spillane novels. Uh, different Velda. Sorry. I, I have no idea. <laughs> well, this Velda called us last week. She and her hubby were the proud owners of an 88 Toyota truck. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now I'm starting to remember. Yeah. And they were at the end of their rope because it had been running funny for over a year. When the truck is cold, when I've just started it up, it sputters, it bucks, it dies, it sends black smoke out of the tailpipe. Sounds kind of like my brother. <laughs> <laughs> my car, you mean? When no, no, cold. you. <laughs> <laughs> and it smells like it's running really rich, you know, like you can smell gas. Yeah. And it, at times, backfires so loudly. I mean, it's like a gun. I mean, a couple of times I've actually thought that I've been shot. I've, you know, checked. Really? Just that loud. Excellent. And You've got to be careful not to drive your car around really old people. <laughs> you can, you can, no, don't drive near nursing homes or rehab centers or anything like that. You could bump people off left and right with this thing. <laughs> well, it's nice to know that at least we gave her some useful advice. But were we able to figure out what was wrong with her truck? I didn't well, you pulled an answer out of your hat. You told her to check something called the AAP diaphragm. I, you know, it, it's all coming back, and it was the one and only thing I remembered about these old trucks. Well, 
Let's see how we did. Velda, are you there? Hi, you guys. Well, look, b before you fill us in, is it true that we have not spoken since your last appearance on Car Talk? It is absolutely true. And that the answer you're about to give us has not been influenced by our staff, the staff of NPR, or by the set of noise-canceling headphones we sent you <laughs> and all of your neighbors? <laughs> no, no influence. Uh, no influence. Okay. So, uh, okay, with, right, well, with trepidation, I'll ask, was it the AAP diaphragm? Yes, you've got some really good stuff in that hat. It was. Wow! <laughs> and it was running like the good old truck within 24 hours. After I talked to you guys, I relayed everything to my husband. He'd never heard of an AAP diaphragm, but yeah. as you suggested, he looked in his service manual. There it was. There it was. Yep, he called around to the different parts stores, found a carburetor rebuild kit for $36. Uh -huh. And uh, so he has lots of extra gaskets and stuff like that. Oh, he'll be, but, he'll be needing them sooner or later. Yeah. <laughs> but he got the diaphragm, changed it out. And, I mean, the old diaphragm didn't look bad, but we held it up to a light, and you could see just this little pinprick. That's uh, all it takes. all it yep, takes. Yep, and it's wonderful. And you saved us probably hundreds of dollars because had we taken it to somebody, they probably would have fixed our problem by putting in a new carburetor. Yeah. And that was really the direction in which my husband was heading, and he had called to check on rebuilt carburetors, and they were going to be like $400. Oh, yeah. Well, we could tell from, from your description that he needed guidance. Yes, yes. <laughs> he was on the periphery, as he, he, you suggested. He was ready to jump. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, we are, we are just so appreciative. Thank you so much. Well, that's Great. Well, once a month we get a right answer. Well, <laughs> spite you guys, of ourselves. you guys are just saints. I mean, I think you're just Saint Click and Saint Clack. I can see Tommy's halo from oh, here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the patron saints of, of troubled car owners everywhere. Troubled cars, <laughs> exactly. See you, Velda. Thank you. Thanks, bye, bye. Thanks for playing Stump the Chumps. Oh, thank you. Bye, bye. If you hear someone you'd like us to bring back for Stump the Chumps. Email us your suggestion from cartalk.com. Or you can call and Why wait? Stump us right now. The number is 888-CAR-TALK. That's 888-227-8255. Wasn't the one and only piece I remember from those old Toyota trucks was that AAP diaphragm. Really? Sure enough. That, you pull that out of your nose, <laughs> so to speak. Hello, you're on Car Talk. Hello, who's there? My name is Michael. I live in Miami, Florida, but I was born and raised in Limerick, Ireland. Thought you'd like to know. Oh, Hi, Michael. Yes, indeed. And, and where in Florida are you from? Miami. Oh, Miami. First thing I'd like to do is thank you for a problem you solved for me about 20 years ago. Ah. I, I didn't call you. Somebody else did. Ah. And you told him what to do, and I did the same thing, and it worked. Great. Beautiful. So what's, what's going on today? What's going on today is that I have a two-year-old Mazda 3. I have mm -hmm. put on it a total of, and I just mm -hmm. checked this morning, 5,643 miles. I have gotten different advice from two mechanics, contradictory advice. One of them tells me that I should take it out and drive it every couple of weeks or so at high speed for maybe a half hour or more just to let it do its thing, I suppose. The other fellow tells me that's not necessary with present-day cars. I can just drive it the way I have been driving it. This car has never been on a long trip. Still there? Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, we're, we're listening with rapt attention here. We, we, uh, we're trying to get all the... You mean you, you know, do stop talking sometimes? 
<laughs> well, I do. My brother never stops. <laughs> he thought the line had gone dead. <laughs> it's from Limerick. Would you like to hear a good Limerick? Sure, yes, of course. Of course. It's perfectly suitable for Eric. Listen carefully. Okay. The Limerick is furtive and mean. You must keep her in close quarantine, or she runs to the slums where she quickly becomes disorderly, drunk, and... Obscene! Obscene. <laughs> of course! That's right, limericks always have to be watched. You never know what You'll people are going to do to them. <laughs> anyway, back to my problem. Yeah, back to your problem. Well, I would say... Do exactly what the second guy told you. The, the second guy? The second guy's right for the right reason, too. In modern cars, because they're fuel-injected and have all kinds of controls to to, to uh, make sure that the least amount of gas gets used uh, during the warm-up mode and, and, and when the engine is warmed up, you don't have to take these things out and blow the carbon out. See, so the first guy was thinking about cars as they were made about 20 years ago with carburetors. Uh-huh. But you don't have a car that was made 20 years ago. You got a car that was made a couple of years ago, and the second guy is absolutely right. I have a related question. Yeah. The, one of them tells me I can go fi at least 5,000 miles without changing oil. The other says, no, 3,000. Well, you know... What it, kind of driving do you do? Mostly short distances. Very short distances. Now, I would go with the guy that says 3,000, believe it or not, because... If, if you were driving normal kind of drive, don't forget, it's taken you two years to do 6,000 miles. Right. You know, so in, in, at this rate, you'd, you'd be doing an oil change a year. Yeah. And even that might not be often enough. Oh, really? Yeah, but at the very least, I would do one every 3,000 okay. miles. Okay, so I've had one already. I'll do another number around 6,000. Now, who told, yeah. who told who gave you that advice? Guy number one or number two? <laughs> No, I think it was guy number two who gave me the the 5,000 advice. Well, that's good. One of them is right one time, and the other guy is right it's the other right time. Out. Just like us. The <laughs> <laughs> Michael, well, I wish you the very best, and we'll see you soon. I'll, we'll hear from you soon. All right. Or yeah. I'll hear from you. All right. Yeah. If you have any more limericks, send them along. <laughs> okay. I, I, now I can send real limericks. Yeah, yeah. send us the real thing. <laughs> uh, okay. Thank you. All right. See you, Michael. All right, goodbye. Bye-bye. Hey, time for us to take another little break. You know, step outside and get a little fresh air. No, I don't care about fresh air. Obviously. That's why I want you to step outside <laughs> so I can get some. Well, when we come back, we'll tell you about a marketing faux pas. And we'll take more of your calls, so don't go away. We'll be back in a minute. Well, the seats are ripped and the gears are stripped. The brake glass leak in the trunk. It reeks in the radio. Ain't played for weeks and weeks. Yeah, the locks are buzzing and the paint's all rusted. The windshield's cracked and it's smoking black. And even clicking black said, don't bother calling back. Please steal my car. It won't be hard. It won't get you far. I'm not your credit card. You steal my car. It won't be hard. It won't get you far. Into the box. You steal my car. And even though Ira Flato heaves a Category Five stink bomb into our studio whenever he hears us say it. This is NPR, National Public Radio. Ha! We're back. 
You're listening to Car Talk with us, Click and Clack, the Tappert Brothers, and we're here to talk about what? Cars, mm. car repair, mm. and poor proofreading. We found this in the back of Consumer Reports on a page they call Goofs, Glitches, and Gutches. It's an ad for a company named Thompson Gale Business E-Solutions. They're a publisher of reference databases and books for small businesses and even libraries. Listen to this carefully. You ready? The ad reads, The only place success comes before preparation is in the dictionary. Listen again. <laughs> the only place success comes before preparation is in the dictionary. Isn't that good? And these guys make reference books. Success comes before preparation in the dictionary? <laughs> well, they don't say which dictionary, right? <laughs> good point, good point. <laughs> well, speaking of preparation, the puzzler season. You know, I hate to, I guess it's a season, right? I guess... See, I mean, I, I would have thought a month, a month ago. Was, was... No, no, no. Yeah. The, the season is almost upon us. So if you have any suggestions that might increase the puzzler's success rate, huh? right, because we're always looking to improve the puzzler. Certainly. Feel free to send those puzzler suggestions along to Puzzler Tower, Car Talk Plaza, Box 3500, Harvard Square, Cambridge. Our fair city. Matt. 02238. Or you can email them to my brother from cartalk.com. But right now, if you have a question about your car, give us a call. The number is 888-CAR-TALK. That's 888-227-8255. Hello, you're on Car Talk. This is Kathy. With a C or Oh, don't. This, just tell oh, me where Ka you're from, Kathy and I'll or, tell you. Wait a minute, Kathy or Cassie? Kathy. Oh, Cassie. Oh, C-A-S-S-I-E. Oh, no, with a T-H. Oh, Kathy. Oh, Kathy. Okay. Oh, okay. Got well, now we got it. Got it. Oh, okay. Thank God. So, where, where are you from? Where on the East Coast are you from? Well, I'm in uh, Western Massachusetts in Montgomery. Where the heck is uh, Montgomery, Mass? I never heard of it. It borders Huntington, Russell, Southampton, and Westfield. Okay. Now I know where you Those are. Those are all towns I never heard of either. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't really get to Montgomery unless you're going there because you have to take Montgomery Road, which doesn't go anyplace else. <laughs> so what's up? I've been wanting to call you guys for the last three years uh, huh. about this problem. Uh, I have a 1987 Jeep Cherokee that I've owned for over 15 years, and I'm holding it together with triage tape. Yeah. My uh, background is aircraft maintenance, but this uh -huh. is an environmental problem in on board, and I'm electronics. Uh -huh. so when I slide the temperature lever from left to right. From cold to from hot. Cold to hot. Yes. Yeah, Okay. The Jeep makes this noise like an aircraft coming in for a landing, and then a huge wham, and the whole front end shakes. It comes, it goes, bang. <laughs> I, I described I this problem it. to a mechanic friend of mine, yeah. and he was, we were out fishing in the wild in Middlefield, and I, I described this to him. I said, Joe, this is what happens. He says, what you are describing cannot possibly happen from the action you're going to take. I said, watch this. Watch this. <laughs> All right. <laughs> when I slid the lever, he grabbed his seat. Holy expletive, Billy, to go through that again <laughs> while we're in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> And, really? And all this noise seems like it's coming like right from in front of you. Yeah, it's like you've it's like you've just run over a ten foot alligator completely blocking your lane on alligator highway. Yeah. It it's a, it shakes the whole front end and I have learned to slow down and like to a crawl before I change the temperature in the cockpit. 
Yeah, yeah. And, and so, so let me get this right. If it starts doing it, you go back to coal. Does the noise go away? Oh, gee, I never tried that. Once I you didn't. That would be the first thing I would have tried. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 you. Wow. So then, when it's once it does this, you say you slow down. Well, before I do it, I slow down because now I know. The first time it happened, I was going at a pretty good clip, and uh, when the whole Jeep shook, I decided not to do that anymore at high speed. So you could actually feel it in the steering wheel? Yeah, the whole front end. Blam! <laughs> it's, like, it's the wildest thing. I can't imagine. Kathy, this is the most interesting question we've ever had. What do you do out there in, in, uh, <laughs> in, in what, Montgomery? What do you do for a living, Kathy? Well, I'm retired from the uh, United States Air Force, 27 years, and I, I used to be a, an engineer. So did, during, during your tenure in the Air Force, did you have any occasion to encounter UFOs? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm thinking that UFO might be a chipmunk that is somehow blocking a, um, a suction, a compression. Jeez. Wow. So you're going from cold to hot. In the heat mode, yes. Yeah. In the heat mode. You don't have to be in the defrost mode. No, it has to be the heat it's mode. In the heat mode. I think that might be a good clue. You think so? Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm not so sure. What if I drive it to wherever you are and have you take it for a test drive? I'll show you. Yeah, well, we can certainly <laughs> do that. I'd love to get in it. We'll I, be done I, with the show in about half an hour. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so let's go back. Once it does this, all this business... You've slowed down, so you've minimized the effect of it. Exactly. You can then speed up to 50, 60 miles an hour, and you're okay? Yes. And if you turn the heat off and then turn it back on again? Well, I haven't tried that. you got to. Kathy, 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 you've got to, in the interest of science here, you've got to <laughs> experiment with this. <laughs> you're yeah. right, but I'm trying to make the Jeep laugh. Well, my first reaction was that, in fact, you were overreacting. Oh, no. And that what was happening was when you turn the uh, thing to heat, a blend door was impinging upon the yeah. the, the blower f motor fan. That's exactly. A what door? The, 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 you have a blend door in your heater, which allows more which air. blends hot and cold air. Okay, and this as as you move that lever from cold to hot, it opens a door which allows the cold air that's in your passenger compartment to get sucked in through the heater uh, by the heater blower. And push through the heater uh, core, so it blows hot air out into the passenger compartment. If that blend door is being somehow impinged upon by the the blower motor fan, it'll make this. It'll make an awful noise, but it won't affect the way the thing steers. Well, no, not the steering. It just shakes. I can feel it through the steering wheel when the slam happens. But that sounds very logical. That's that's what I'm thinking. Well, but you ought to be able to get it to do it. See, you shouldn't be able to diminish it by slowing down. No. And you ought to be able to get it to do it even if you're not moving. It doesn't diminish by slowing down. It just makes me feel safer when the huge noise is happening. Ah. Oh, so it's still the same. Oh, so I think that it, the problem is entirely in your heater. I guess... We misunderstood the uh, the severity of it. I was too fixated on the UFO thing. I'm I sure was that too. You, you had your your whole being had been overtaken by aliens. Well, there's not really much of a chance that I'm gonna be be repairing it. I, I'll be retiring it. You know. Well, but... no, no, but you, no, this, might you easy, this might be easy to fix. Is it? Yeah, it might be easy to fix. You need someone to actually. You need to take it someone's to a shop. Someone's gotta have the courage to hmm. stick his head under there or his hand. At anyway, someone has to put his hand on the heater box. And and find out if in fact that's where the vibration is coming from, and it certainly is. And there's probably a screw loose someplace. We know that, I guess. Never <laughs> mind. I mean, there's probably a screw loose someplace that's causing this thing, this blend door, to hit the fan. All right.
That's what's happening. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Anytime you want to come over, come over. Okay. You'll find my brother will be in his kitchen drinking coffee. He'll be having <laughs> a test drive. See you, Kathy. Thanks a lot, guys. <laughs> bye bye. Bye. 888-CAR-TALK. That's 888-227-8255. Hello, you're on car. Hey, this is Chris. I'm calling from uh, Spokane, Washington. Hey, Chris. What's going on? Hey, well, I have got a 1995 Toyota Tacoma, and it's a five-speed manual. And, you know, normally when you start a manual, you push in the clutch, turn the key, and the car goes. Yeah. Well, my truck has stopped turning on with the clutch, and I have a clutch cancel button on my console that I have to push now in order for me to start my truck. Oh, those when you it used to be that when you stepped on the clutch, you would turn the key and the engine would crank over. Wah, 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 wah. Right. And that stopped working. Correct. Okay, so now you have so this... that when you turn the key, nothing happens. If if I push the clutch in and turn the key, nothing happens. Okay. But my truck has a clutch cancel where you can have the gear shift in neutral, push the button, and then you can turn the car over without even touching the clutch. Right. It's an override. Yeah. Right. But it won't allow you to start it unless it's in neutral. Is that correct? Right. Yeah. Have you ever tried starting it in first? Um, it, it I wouldn't do that to the truck. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the reason they put these devices in, these yeah. lockouts. On the uh, clutch pedal to prevent dopes, not no no not you know present company excluded, of course, <laughs> to prevent most dopes from starting the thing without their foot on the clutch, but the thing in gear. Oh, I see. Which you could do to cars of yesteryear. I mean, in, in years ago, you could inadvertently start your engine. Yeah. While the thing was in gear. Well, what I did first is I uh, checked all the fuses, and then I tried troubleshooting it back if there was like a clutch plate behind the actual pedal and I can't find anything without actually pulling the dashboard off and looking if there's like a wire cut. Oh, there's there's a switch up under the dash that is actuated by the clutch pedal. Okay. And that switch has two wires going to it. Can you get can you get your head under the dash? Why you're stepping on the on the pedal? <laughs> no, while your brother steps on the pedal. No, if if you get if you uh, you large in size, Chris? Um I'm bulky. Bulky. I'm a 48-inch chest, and I can bench 225. Oh, okay. So I'll ask the question again. Do you think you can put your head underneath the dash? I could. I could probably manipulate myself to where I could uh, get underneath there. Would yeah. you be able to get out afterwards? <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> well, if you think you can get out, you want to stick your head under there and leave enough room so that you can, with your hand, with one hand at least. Okay. Operate the clutch pedal at least a little bit, and you'll see that switch. Okay. There's a little, there's a little uh, rod coming out of the switch. You'll see it move. You may not see it move because it may be stuck. And what you need is to replace that switch in all likelihood. Oh, okay. And the way you can verify it is to take the two wires off of it and stick them together. And when you stick those two wires together, you will essentially be putting the switch in the closed position, and now it will start without stepping on the clutch. It'll start just like it does with that override button. All right, so that shouldn't be hundreds of dollars. Oh, no, 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 no. no, no. no, no. It's, it's like probably... $29.95. $29.95 plus tax. You have tax in Washington? Um, I think we do. Okay, there you go. Awesome. Thank you very much. See you. Thanks for your Good call. Good luck, Chris. Bye-bye. And don't get stuck in there. Grease yourself up before you go out there. <laughs> I will. Be nice and lubed. All right. See you later. <laughs> Bye-bye. Yeah, you could get yourself in an awful position. <laughs> you could. Going underneath there is so dangerous. 888-CAR-TALK. <laughs> That's 888-227-8255. Hello, you're on Car Talk. Hello, 
gentlemen. How are you? Hi. Good. Who's this? My name is Erin, and I am from Phoenix, Arizona. No kidding. And I've got a little bit of a predicament. Yeah. I've got a 2007 Saturn Aura, which we love, but the seat heaters come on automatically when my husband drives the car. Really? And we don't need seat heaters turning on when it's 110 degrees outside. So when he puts, is he is he a, a lard butt? Is he got a? Is he a He's big... quite a bit bigger than me, yes. <laughs> and well, some, how, but how big is he? How much does um, he weigh? He weighs about 250. Yeah. And it's only when he's sitting in one of the seats that it yeah. turns on automatically. And it makes no difference which seat he's in? No, it does not. So, how, but 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 is this just start happening? No, it's from the day we took it off the lot. So the switches for the seat, heated seats are on the uh, on the console, right? No, they are actually on the seat, on the outside uh -huh. edge of it. Oh, they're on the outside edge, and somehow his his, his weight, weight is turning or his on. girth <laughs> is grounding out. You ready for this? Yeah, I'm ready. Is completing the circuit to ground just like the switch does. In other words. If electricity goes from the battery to right. the seat element, and then from the seat element to the switch, and what makes the thing work is grounding or closing the circuit on the switch, so the circuit gets completed, by his sitting in the seat, even when the thing is turned off, he's grounding he's, the switch. He's, he's an automatic switch for it. Yeah, he's a, he's exactly. A, so he, maybe right. a simple matter of, of, of uh, somehow insulating the connections. But I, I would try... This is interesting. It is. I took it to the dealership. Yeah. And the guy drove it at the dealership and said, well, I don't know what you're talking about. It didn't happen to me. Well, And no. I didn't really want to say, well, you're just not Well, was he a two-ton Tony like your husband? I mean, he's No, gonna... no, he was a smaller guy. So... You might... He didn't understand. He didn't understand, but you, you need to heavier... go back to him. You need a heavier okay. person. You're going to go back to him and tell him it's a big guy who's closing the circuit somehow, and you guys got to find out how. So we're not making it up. Because no, you're not no. making it up. You wouldn't, of course. You wouldn't make. Now, I have a question. Yes, uh, sir. Is there a, an indicator on the dash or any place that tells you when the heated seats are on? No, there's not. There's just a light that lights up on the side of the seat. Yeah. And, and is that mm -hmm. light lit up when the seat is on? It lights up, but he never looks till it gets hot. Sure. But, right. it, is, but so it is lit up it even, is though, lit up. even though the yep. switch is off. Yep, it lights up. Well, yep. here's, I mean, if they can't figure it out, the very least you can take the switch out. We can. You can tell oh, the switch oh, yeah. comes out. You can take it out and verify our theory that, in fact, that somehow or another his, his weight on the thing is closing the circuit. Got it's, it. it's either deforming the switch or it's grounding it somehow. But I, it's got to be something like yeah. that. Yeah, and these guys will figure it out. Perfect. Yeah. Because we will never use it. I promise you, I'll never use a seat heater. <laughs> well, you, so, you could, by the way, oh, take the fuse out. Take the fuse out, and you don't have to worry about it at all. Right. I mean, it may have the stereo and the sunroof and a few other things <laughs> on it, but, but if, it, if it does, you'll have to get creative. But if it's just the heated seats on that circuit, sure, take the fuse out. That's perfect. You'd never need heated seats in Phoenix, right? No, never. Yeah. It's kind of silly. It is kind of silly. Yeah, well, if, you, yeah. if they can't solve it, take the fuse out. I will, gentlemen. I appreciate it. All right, Aaron. My see husband's ya. happier. All right. Thank you. Get that okay. fuse out. See bye you bye later. Bye-bye. <laughs> well, it's happened again. You've squandered another perfectly good hour listening to Car Talk. 
Our esteemed producer is Doug the Subway Fugitive, not a slave to fashion, Bongo Boy Berman. Our associate producers are Louis Cronin the Barbarian and David Gibraltar Green. Our senior web lackey is Doug, you can run but you can't hide, Mayor. <laughs> our engineer is John Cartman Parati. And our technical, spiritual, and menu advisor, just back from the Mashpee Iced Tea, French Brie, Chutney, Kimchi, Chablis, Sushi, Blini, Parsley, Yakgi, and High Sea Guilt-Free Lunch Brie is John Bugsy Lawler. Our public opinion pollster is Paul Murky of Murky Research, assisted by statistician Margin Overa. Our customer care representative is Haywood Jabuzov. Our personal makeup artist is Bud Tugley. Our staff orthopedist is Denise Hoyt. Our Ralph Cramden impersonator from the Dubai office is Mohammed Ahmed Ahmed. Our martial arts trainer is Anita DeGroin. Our windsurfing instructor is Eileen Wendy Windblows. Our alignment expert is Lou Segusi. Our Appalachian chef is Everett Possum. Our undergarment inspector is IC London. Our anger management coach is Kirsten Hollard. Our Russian sofa is Peak Off and Drop Off. Our optometric firm is CFI Care. Guest accommodations are provided by the Horseshoe Road Inn. And the head of our working mother support group is Erasmus B. Dragon. Our chief counsel from the law firm of Dewey, Cheatham, and Howe is you, Louis Dewey, known to the professors wearing tweed flip-flops in Harvard Square as Huey Louie Dewey. Thanks so much for listening. We're Click and Clack the Tappert Brothers. Don't drive like my brother. Don't drive like my brother. We'll be back next week. Bye-bye. CDs of the show, which is number 736, along with Car Talk clothing, audio collections, and other Car Talk gifts, are available at 888-CAR-JUNK, or by going to the shameless commerce division of our website, cartalk.com. Also this week at cartalk.com, a great way to get rid of your used car. Just call me, and I'll be there in no time to pick it up. <laughs> what, you getting tired of shopping at the junkyard? <laughs> they want too much money. 50 bucks for a car? Come on, that's ridiculous. <laughs> Actually, we're talking about the Car Talk Vehicle Donation Program. You donate your old car, and your favorite public radio station benefits. You can check out details this week at cartalk.com. Car Talk is a production of Dewey Chiam and Howe and WBUR in Boston. And even though squirrels start storing earplugs for the winter whenever they hear us say it, this is NPR, National.